0: You know, just preparing over today, you know, I've been in this series, Desire, and if you have your Bibles, turn to, to John chapter 14. Oh, also, I forgot, what, tonight is worship night, so we have worship night tonight, and then our and our worship team doing an awesome job? And they're doing great, and just the way they're growing, and it's so awesome, thank you. Danny. And, um, and so that'll be, be tonight at 6 o'clock. So all, it's not no, there's no message planned. It's, we just come worship God. Afterwards, we're going to go to Rosa's and hang out for a little bit over there on my, on my cart, So let's so get in the Word. The very beginning of this chapter, in chapter 1, makes this phrase let not your heart be troubled. I mean, what a time that we're living in that it's so easy if we're not careful to be on guard to let things get into our heart. Now, I'm going to sometime this morning as we go through this, we'll get in and we'll deal with the aspect of the Holy Spirit. But there are some things that I believe that I need to deposit along the way. the, The Holy Spirit will mix in exactly what we need to receive this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. Can you say that with me? Let not your heart be troubled. You know, a number of years ago, I don't remember how many years ago it was, and I was preparing to come out to minister, and, and by the Holy Spirit, I was quiet, just sensitive to what I was, what I was supposed to minister uh, that service. And just plain as day, I heard this, this question that came up in my heart. And he goes, Justin, do you know what the number one problem in the world is today? I was like, you want me to answer that? <laughs> Like I've got, I've got the, the knowledge of this vast question. What is the number one problem today? And I'm trying to think in my mind of all these different things, and and um, and he said, and it said this. I quiet. And he says, "Well, I mean, what is the number one problem?" And this is what his what the what the comment was. He said, "The number one problem in the world today is deficit." I'm like, deficit. And I'm like, because my mind was thinking just totally about money. Like the number one problem in the world today is deficit. I mean, if you, if you don't have enough money, then that's a problem, right? I mean, some of you are like, yeah, that's, that's Pastor, you nailed it. I want you to talk about money today. You know, you, you nailed my issue, Pastor. Um, but, but he said deficit. And I'm like, and I'm thinking deficit. And I'm, I'm thinking of material. I'm thinking of different things. And, and he goes, and then later the day the Holy Spirit goes, yes, he goes, there's a deficit of love, There's a deficit of wisdom. There's a deficit of strength. There's a deficit of finances. There's a deficit of peace. There's a deficit of joy. And he goes, Justin, it all comes down to the fact that there's a deficit of the word of God. Because if you... Lack the word of God and you don't understand the word of God. You won't understand the love of God. You won't understand the wisdom of God. You don't understand what you have a right to and what we have a right to as children of God. And that just that, that, that verse, let not your heart be troubled. What Jesus is speaking right directly into the hearts of his disciples and if we would be honest in knowing that the word is is always the word is is alive, sharper than a two edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, in the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's Hebrews four twelve. And 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 so here, the word of God is alive. So so that means you're sitting here, and the words that Jesus spoke two thousand years ago can be just as real to you as it was to them on that day. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me for in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you and I will come again and, and receive you unto myself because there I am there and, and, and so forth. And He goes, he goes, I am the way, the truth and the life and no man comes to the father, but by me. Let not your heart be troubled. And so here Jesus speaks for three chapters about dealing with a troubled heart. He deals with three chapters about how to overcome this troubled heart. And as I was preparing, this, this phrase just kept coming up in my heart. And, and I want to deposit this here at the beginning. And, and, and it's this. He goes, hopelessness no more. That's, that's my title for today. That's, that's the, the title we're going to deal with today. Hopelessness no more. Can you say that with me? Hopelessness no more. So everything Jesus was deposited on the inside of them. He gets to John chapter 16 and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's, I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the helper. And I've dealt with this last week and he, and he made this statement. He goes, all things, the Father has given me all things. He goes, all things are mine. And he goes, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he will declare it to you. All things? So everything that Jesus have access to he is going to declare it to me all things. So the Holy Spirit has the ability to take, take all things that Jesus has and declare it to me. And that real, really declare means reveal it to me. What does Jesus have? All power, all might, all dominion, all strength, all wisdom. He, he knows God's purpose, he knows God's plan, he knows God's word. So the Holy Ghost has been sent to declare to me everything that Jesus has. And everything Jesus has, it says the Father has given him all things. That means I don't lack anything. I don't have the lack to access anything, Kenny. You don't there's there's nothing that the enemy could throw at you that you don't have the ability to overcome it. Because it's been given to us as believers. I'm telling you, we aren't believers just barely getting by in this world. No, we are believers that stand in our authority. We're believers that know who we are. We are believers that know that who our big brother is. We are believers that know that according to Ephesians 2, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Let not your heart be troubled. I declare that to each one of you today, let not your heart be troubled. You may have come in here with financial lack this morning, but I want to declare to you, let not your heart be troubled. You might be sitting there with symptoms in your body. I declare to you, let not your heart be troubled. Hopelessness no more. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'm not going to take the time to unpack this whole chapter, but I do want to key on a couple of verses here at the beginning part of the chapter in verse 2. He says, My brethren. So, one, he's talking to brethren. He's talking to his, he's talking to believers here. My brethren. James, which was the half bro- half brother of Jesus, he was the he was the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. He didn't come to know Jesus. He, he didn't come to accept Jesus until after Jesus had already gone. He wasn't a disciple. Yet he has he has some great insights to the kingdom of God. He says, "My brethren, count it all joy." When you fall into various trials, I don't like that verse. Does does anyone here like that verse? Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, that doesn't sound too joyous to me. You're like, well, like, come on, pastor Justin. Hey man, I, I mean, there's nothing joyful about what I'm going through right now. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Sometimes, you you know, you have to laugh by faith. (laughs) There's sometimes I'm like, things that will come up in life, things will come up, and I just have to laugh. I'm going, are you kidding me? (laughs) It's like, really? And uh, it's because I've had to learn how to count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Now, I like that. That I might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, now, see... If you're not careful, you can take this verse and you don't understand the setting of this verse. You'll look at it and say, okay, well, God's sending something into my life because he's just testing me to see what I'm made of. No, what's happening is when you are in a battle, the thing is, is are you going to let patience work? It, what is this? Let. That means you've got to give permission. Let patience have its perfect work. Because when I let patience, which patience is a fruit of the spirit. So that means that means if I'm going to operate in this patience, I'm going to have to yield to the Holy Ghost. Because you know what? In my flesh, I don't want to be patient. Let patience have its perfect work. Because when I let patience have its perfect work on the other side of my battle, I'm going to be be complete and perfect and lacking nothing. So so that's why I say today, hopeless no more. Because on the other side of your battle, I want you to know that you have and I have the ability to be lacking nothing on the other side of what I'm going through. Now, like I said, I don't have time to go through this whole whole, this whole this chapter here. But if you keep reading, he talks about if you lack wisdom. Lack wisdom for what? When you're going, through, you don't know what to do in the battle. He goes, let him ask of God who gives liberally. And he goes and says, what? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Then he, he also says this, he goes, and I love how he says this. He goes, when a man is tempted, he says, let him not say he's tempted of God. Because God tempts no man. But where does the temptation come from? The temptation, it says, it comes when men are drawn away by their own lusts. Amen. Meaning, it's my flesh that leads me away. It's not God testing me. It's, it's just the things that I'm allowing to continue to, to grow in my life. I wasn't planning on saying all this. But, but the point is, you have to understand, is, is we're all going to experience battles. You're going to experience temptations from the enemy. The enemy is going to come at you to keep you from fulfilling the assignment on your life. Let not your heart be troubled. Here he said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now let's look at verse 16. Just had to lay a foundation there. Verse 16 says, Do not be deceived. Now, if we just look at that face value in the New King James, I actually like the King James better because he he says, Do not err. E R R. Do not err. And the best way to translate this is, Don't wonder. Not wonder, but wander. It says, Another way to look at that word, don't err or don't be deceived, means don't leave your position. See, when trials are coming, the enemy wants you to leave your post. As a father, as a husband, as a business owner, whatever your occupation is, whatever you're facing, whatever he's called you to, the enemy wants to remove you from there. Whatever God's spoken to you about your ministry, your purpose, your calling, the mandate on your life, the enemy does not. He wants you to leave your position. He wants you to wander off because you're like, Hey, I'm tired of this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I, I don't, I don't, why am I having, having to put up this? Why am I having to deal with this? The enemy wants to get you at a place where you wander off from your position. Why would you wander off from your position? Because you no longer have hope. See, we, you will let go of the word when you no longer have faith or and you no longer have hope. He goes, don't be deceived. Don't wander off. And then he tells us this. My beloved brethren. My beloved brethren. One of the definitions is this. My favorite brothers. My favorite brothers. those that I, Those that I love. I mean, what a pastor's heart. I mean, Pastor Justin and Pastor Nett love you guys. You. So when he says, my brethren, he's saying, hey, the ones I love. This, this, is, this is because I love you. Don't leave your position. I just, that's just strong in my heart. There's some people that you, you want to you leave your marriage. I'm just saying that by, out of my heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't let the enemy... Take you away from where he planted you. He says, "Don't err, don't wander off, my my, 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 my brethren, my the ones I love. Don't 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 let the enemy t- tear you apart from where where God wants you to be." That's what hope hopelessness does. That's what discouragement does. It's to discourage, meaning to be without courage, meaning you won't have the courage to take the next step. You won't have the courage to persevere. You won't have the courage to let patience have its perfect work. It's like, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm just going to give up. I, I don't forget all this. And you probably will use different words than that. Don't act all so holy and self-righteous. There's a lot of things you said in your car that you would never say in front of your pastor. It was like, did that come out of my mouth? <laughs> Don't be deceived, my brethren. And then he tells them this. Why? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, this good and perfect gift is not the trial. This good and perfect gift is not the temptation. Just so you know that, because sometimes you can, you can think, hey, well, man, the Lord's really putting me through it right now. No, it was your stupid decisions. It was someone else's decisions. It was the government's decisions. It was, it could be other people's decisions. It could be your own. It's stop trying to find blame for, no, just let's, let's, let's believe the word. Every good, every good, every good, every good, and every perfect gift, every good. This word good here is every beneficial, meaning the gift is going to add to me, not take from me every good and every perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift, every good, meaning it's a useful gift. It is something that I can lay hold of to Vic. It's something that I can possess. It's something I can run with. It's a tool I can use because it's a gift. It's a gift I hold on to. It's a gift I war with. It's a gift that I stand with. It's a gift that I hold up higher than any other thing. Why? Because it's the gift that's going to cause me to benefit in life. It's the gift that's going to cause me to be useful in my situation. Every good and perfect gift. Now, if it's a perfect gift, meaning you can't add anything else to it. Because it's perfect. If something's perfect, if you added anything to it, it would no longer be perfect. Because it's already perfect. It's a complete gift, meaning you can't add anything more to it. You can't make it better. You can't make it greater. You can't make it bigger. You can't make it more powerful. Why? Because it's already complete, Hannah. Every good and every perfect gift, it comes from above. But how come we're always looking for something down here? To get us over. Why am I looking at man? Why am I looking at different things. To try to to bring change to my life. Instead of the word of God. Set your affections on things above where Christ is seated. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Every good. Every beneficial gift. Every perfect gift. What does it say? It comes down. From the Father of lights. It comes down from the Father of lights. Now think of it. This is the Father of lights. It sounds kind of, ooh, the Father of lights. Kind of like Father Time, Mother Nature. No. Father of light. What does it say in John 1? It says, in him was light, and that light was the, was, the in him was life, and that life was the light of men. He's the father of light. How many fathers do we have in the house? Do you have your, or your children happen to be here? Raise your hand. Bren, stand up real quick. I'm going to embarrass him real quick. I made that. I made that. He couldn't got here without me. I'm the father of Bryn. He can play some basketball too he he didn't get that from his father there was some people that messaged me uh, like and said he shot like five threes in a row and made them during the the church basketball thing i'm like yeah he can he he's got some handles (laughs) he didn't get those from me that was (laughs) i'm not sure where that came from but (laughs) for me it would have been soccer but but the point is the father is the originator He's not a father that has light. He's the originator of it. It comes from him. I think it's Psalms 139 says this. He, it says, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I go from your presence? He goes, if I if my, if my make my bed in hell, there, you're there. If I, if, I, if I dwell, if I go over here, you're there. He goes, he goes darkness and light... He goes are both the same to you because if there's darkness the moment God gets there it's light because God isn't physical light and he's not what we would consider physical darkness. He is light. He is life. He's the father that consumes anything that has to do with darkness. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the father of lights And it says, in whom there is no turning. And there's no, I think Amplified says, there's no shadow in an eclipse. Meaning, you know, a shadow exists. Why? Because there is, there is, like right now I see a shadow on the floor here. Because light is here. The light's hitting behind them, so I see the shadow. But with God, there is no shadow. Because because everywhere he is, there's light. You can, as much as you want to go in a circle and say, hey, let's move God over here. There's light here. Okay, let's move God over here. Well, there's light there. And at the same time, there's light here. Why? Because there's no darkness in him. That it says there's no shadow of turning, meaning there is no darkness. God doesn't have sickness. There's no sickness in heaven. In Genesis, all throughout Genesis, it says, God created the heaven and the earth. And he went through and he said, and he made this and it was good. 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 He gets to man. And he goes, oh, it was very good. Not one time did he say, okay, and here is cancer and it is good. Here is, here is poverty and it is good. No. That None of that is in him. Amen. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation. No variation. Shadow of turning. Of his own will. Meaning this was his will. This was his heart. This was his heart that he brought us forth by the word of truth. Hopeless. No more. Man was hopeless. You and I were hopeless. Adam and Eve in the garden, they fell. We were hopeless. But God couldn't stand by and let it happen. From the moment that man fell in the garden, the moment this is the gospel church family, the moment in the garden when Adam and Eve fell and they started blaming each other. It was that it was that serpent. It was that wife. It was that. And and God said, said, no, he he went. And he cursed the serpent. And he said, there's one coming. There's one coming. And you're going to he's going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. The moment that man fell, he gave birth because even though it looked like darkness was happening, even though it it was a shadow, all of a sudden was cast upon his creation. All of a sudden he goes, no, no, by my will, I'm not going to settle for this by my will. No, no. I'm going to give birth, gave birth by the word of truth. Meaning God spoke truth. God spoke a word and God said, this will be turned around. This will be turned around. Go to John 3. Hopeless, no more. If you're constantly living under a shadow of hopelessness, you'll never enter into the maximum. If your emotions constantly lead you and direct you throughout your life, you'll never enter into living on another level. John chapter 3. the gospel is the power of God into salvation. His salvation is here right now. If you've never made him Lord of your life, I'm telling you, his, his presence is here because you've been in darkness too long and it's time for you to allow light to illuminate the darkness and the confusion that you've been in. John 3, 16. This is more than just a verse that you see at a football stadium on a big... Poster board. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Have you made that decision? It's all because how much he loves you. How much he loves me. Now look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. To have a sense of condemnation is to have a sense of hopelessness. That's the biggest thing I've seen in believers' lives. That's one of the biggest things that that held me up in my life. Was was the enemy using condemnation to keep me back? But condemnation is nothing more than hopelessness. It's like I'm no good. I'm condemned, meaning I, I'm not usable. If a building is condemned, it's no longer usable. It's no longer useful. But here it says, Jesus, it said, it said he came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Meaning, so Jesus came to eradicate hopelessness. So when Jesus went to die on the cross, and he said, it is finished, he, w- he could also have said, hopelessness no more. When he, he, when he died and he was lowered in uh, to the earth and went to hell for three days and he came up preaching the gospel and he led captivity captive, Ephesians 4 and Second Peter, and he, w- he said, don't handle me, don't touch me. He goes, I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Why? Because he had to take his blood and pour it on the mercy seat. Why? And when he was doing that, he was like, hopelessness, no more. Hopelessness, no more. God has done something about your hopelessness. Hopelessness, no more. Let not your heart be troubled. Without turning there, Ephesians 2, I think it's verses 11 through 13. And said, there was a time. He said that you were strangers, strangers to the covenant. It said you were without a covenant and it said you had no hope. You had no hope. So what causes no hope? Being without a covenant. I have hope today because I have a covenant. And if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have a covenant. Amen. To be without Christ is to be without hope. Amen. And to be without Christ is to be without God. My Lord. That's what it says. I don't know if they put it up there or not, but it's, that's pretty much what it says. Without Christ, I'm a stranger, I'm an alien to the commonwealth of Israel, meaning I don't have rights, I don't have a covenant, I have no hope, and I'm without God in the world. Wow. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. You know, sometimes when you prepare to to minister, and I show up, I have like three messages that could come out, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, aid me. Hopelessness no more. Thank you, Father. Verse 29 says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at this his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was troubled. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And she'll call his name Jesus. He will be great. Can you say great? (laughs) Man, I love that. He's going to be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him, will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Wow. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. man Jesus If you don't have him, you need him. And he's got to be more than just this mental ascent thing and it's got to be it's got to be something if if something hasn't changed in here yet, have you truly had an encounter? Then Mary said to the angel, now listen to this, how can this be since I do not know a man? And I was looking at this and I was like, Lord, what what does this have to do with hopelessness no more? He was like, there's a lot of things that people hear preached and a lot of things that they hear ministered. And they have that same question. How can this be for me? Mary Mary's like, Wait a minute, you're, you're saying all this good stuff about my life. You're saying that this is what you're going to, what I'm going to do as this teenage girl. And he was like, I, I, I don't know a man. I, th- now this, and for us, this has nothing to do with us giving birth to the savior of the world. Okay. But it's no different receiving a word from God. How can this be? How can this be And that question? How can this be is a statement of hopelessness? It's an attitude of hopelessness. How can this be since I don't have this? How can this be since I've made all these mistakes? How can this be since since my spouse left me? How can this be because my finances look like this? How can this be? How can this be? Verse 35 it says, "Then the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. I want to I want to encourage us for a moment. If you're not sure how to get out of hopelessness or and you're answering the same question like Mary is. I decree over you. If you will receive it, the Holy Spirit Will give birth to you new vision. The Holy Spirit. See, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. What was going to be the answer to Mary's question of how can this be? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Now we'll get in and talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment. The Holy Spirit right now where you are is the agent of change to your hopelessness if you look at the life of jesus it was the holy spirit speaking and coming upon in genesis that got rid of chaos it was the holy spirit that was going to bring forth the savior of the world it was the holy spirit that was going to walk with the Savior of the world. The Holy, He would be anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. It was the Holy Spirit that was going to go down into, into the lower parts of hell. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, And the same Spirit, so that would be the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the same spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit working in every aspect of hopelessness. When, when mankind was hopeless and the savior of the world and the enemy had thought he won second Corinthians chapter two says, if the prince of this world had only known, if the prince of this world had only known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? But the Holy Spirit was at work. He was he, at work shifting hopelessness. He was turning hopelessness around. Yeah. Thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit is the one that will cause us to be hopeless no more. Go to Ephesians, uh, Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. I want to just wrap this up. you have time for just a couple more scriptures? For the sake of time, I mean, we could talk about where, where, does, hope, where, where does hope come from? Hope comes from the Word of God. Hope comes from the Word of God. But who, wrote, who brought forth the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. When the prophets, Holy Spirit came upon the prophets and those of old, they they wrote as the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's how we have the word. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit is ultimately the work to get us out of hopelessness. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope. That's my prayer for you right now. Right now. That the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace and believing. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I go to. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians. As I close this. This morning. Thank you, Father. Paul. Wasn't writing scriptures just to sound Christian. He wasn't writing things just to sound good. He was writing things that were life to him. Paul understood hopelessness. Paul understood hopelessness. We, You look throughout his writings, he'll tell you about it. You know, I was beaten three times left for dead. I was shipwrecked twice. You know, I was stoned this many times, you know, and, and, and he, he would go on and on. He talked about, you know, I'm pressed, but, but you know, hey, I, I'm knocked down, but, you know, I'm not destroyed. You know, he experienced situations that if we would, we'd under, if we'd understood his life, that, that hopelessness could take him out. But yet he understood the principle and the work of the Holy Spirit. He understood the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He understood the God of hope, that that hope would abound by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 3. This was real to him. This was real to him. He said, Blessed be the God and Father... Of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercy. We talked about the Father of lights. How about the Father of mercy? So he is the author. The distributor. And the creator. Of mercy. Meaning everything that I'm going to receive from heaven. Is going to come through his mercy. Through his love for us. That's how Jesus came right? Lord help us all connect father. And he said And. He's the God of all comfort. So he's the father of mercy and he's the God of all comfort. You need comfort is going to come from the father. How's he going to come for us? It's going to be by what the Holy spirit that abound in hope through the power of the Holy spirit, where it's going to come from. It's going to come through. It's going to come through Jesus. It's going to come through the word, right? Every good and perfect gift. I can't think of a better, I can't think of any better good and perfect gifts besides Jesus. Besides the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. Can you think of any better, every good and perfect gift? Can you think of anything better or bigger or greater or more complete than those three gifts? Jesus, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. So he says, the God of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. All our tribulations. Man, this this guy was speaking from experience. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it said this. He goes, when I was on trial, he said, everyone forsook me. Everyone left me. He said this. He goes, but the Lord stood by me. I mean, what does that look like? I I mean, do you think God didn't come out of heaven, stand next to Paul at his trial and say, with a Superman cape on and saying, Paul, I'm with you. No. When he goes, when all forsook me, he said, the Lord stood by me. Meaning, I mean, what was he counting on? He, he goes, I've got the word. I've got the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, what did he say in Romans 15? He goes, that I might bound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. While he's on trial, what is he counting on? Jesus. What is he counting on? The gospel? What is he counting on? The word? What is he counting on? The Holy Ghost? Let's close with this. Go to verse 8. It says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia and that he was burdened beyond, that we were burdened beyond measure. Have you ever been there? Burdened beyond measure? above strength so that we despaired even of life man you talk about not wanting to go forward you talk about not wanting to get up getting hit and say yes give me another no Paul's like yeah I despaired even the apostle apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament and he's saying I despaired even of life you think you had a bad day You think you're having a bad month above strength so that we despaired even of life? Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now, listen to this, that we should not trust in ourselves. Meaning, if you looked at us from the natural, we should not be here. If you looked at us from the outside, I should have wandered off and been deceived, as James said, a long time ago. But no, I'm not trusting in myself. See, that's where we mess up—trusting in ourselves. He says that I'm not trust in ourselves, but what? But in God who raises the dead. How did God raise the dead? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would quicken our mortal bodies. You, that's that's something that's impossible. Raising the dead is impossible. Mary giving birth and not knowing a man is impossible. So what we're dealing here is not just natural difficulties, but we're also now settled on the fact that this is dealing with impossible things. That when I have Jesus, I have the word and I have the Holy Ghost, that I have the ability to, to that, that, that impossible things can be made possible. Because I have Jesus, I have the word, and I have the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, I'm not trusting in myself, but I'm trusting in him who raises the dead. Hallelujah. That we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. Now listen, and does. He did it, and he does it. He delivered us from a great death, and now he does deliver us. Now listen, in whom we trust that he will still, he will still deliver us. He will still. He will still what he did yesterday, what he just did and what he will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hopeless. No more. more. I declare of you this morning, hopeless. no No more. When you choose not to trust in yourself, but you choose to trust in him. Not only he will deliver you, but he still will deliver you. Hopeless. No more. Stand to your feet. Thank you, father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hopeless no more. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. You know the battles we face, they may be natural bo- natural battles, but yet they affect you spiritually. Does that make sense? They affect you in your soul. Paul wasn't superhuman. He was someone like you and I. Yet he got to a place where he despaired even of life. He didn't want to go forward. But yet he wasn't going to quit and he wasn't going to give up. Maybe here today, and you say, Pastor Justin, I just feel like giving up. I feel like throwing in the towel. I don't want to go forward. I want to leave my position. I want to leave my post. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Hopeless, no more. Maybe you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Whatever the case is. We've been given every good and perfect gift from above. It comes down from the father of lights. And today he wants you to leave here illuminated. He wants you to leave here with, with just life imparted to, in, into. A lot of times we can sit in a service and, and, and we can be standing there hearing a message, but all the while we, our, our, our mentality hasn't shifted. We're still trusting in ourselves. I can do this. I got this. Yeah, I heard the message that that pastor speak. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll I'll do better than. Yeah, yeah, well, this things will get better. But sometimes there needs to be a spiritual shift. There needs to be a personal lack of a better term revival. If that's you, I want you to come forward. I'm not doing altar calls for my my sake. I'm doing them out of just direction, obedience to the Holy Spirit. Hopelessness will keep you down. Hopelessness will keep you back. Hallelujah. Danny, can you just lead us in something? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just come forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Jesus thank you Father thank you Lord thank you Jesus hallelujah thank you Father thank you Jesus hallelujah hopelessness no more hopelessness no more. Sometimes we can run to alcohol and run to substances and not even know why. But freedom in any area of your life can never be done in your own ability. It takes daily surrender. And I think there's some people here today even to That just by coming forward, it would just be a surrender. A surrender. Thank you, Father. Hopeless, no more. Thank you, Jesus. Hopeless, no more. Jesus, what Jesus did is enough and will always be enough. It's in his name. Acts says it's in his name and faith in his name that made that man whole. To be hopeless is to not be whole. It's spiritual, it's it's soul torment to have no hope. To have no hope is to not have vision. To have hope is to have an inward vision uh, when you're worth it you're worth it you're worth it all Joe you're worth it you are worth every drop of blood you are worth every stripe on my back you were worth every punch I took in the face. You were worth it all. By the chastisement of for your peace, I declare hopeless no more. It says those that wait upon the Lord, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father. Hopeless no more. <laughs> Hopeless no more. Mm. Andy, can you come here? Just hug her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hopeless no more. Lord, I thank you today, whether here, watching by way of internet, that right now the yoke of hopelessness is broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That hopelessness would be a thing of the past. Hallelujah. Hopelessness. Oh, that they would see. A lot of times we have no hope because we don't have personal value. I speak into that, the shame of lack of identity. I speak into the shame of lack, lack of personal value. I declare that every person, whether young or old, I declare that they know that they're children of God, they're called by the Lord, they're anointed by the Holy Spirit, that they're gifted, that they're chosen, that they're righteous, that they're a masterpiece in the eyes of God. Be broken hopelessness. Hopelessness no more. Hopelessness no more. If you can, just put your hand on the person your left and your right. Hallelujah. See, hopelessness can be so subtle. It can be so subtle. It can be justified. It can be explained away. But what I hear by the spirit of God today is if, if you don't rise out of hopelessness, your destiny will be a casualty. Just pray over the person on your left and your right. You don't know their experiences. You don't know where they've come from, what they're going through, what they're walking through, but the Holy spirit does hallelujah